3: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Lily Jamali. Calls are growing for increased oversight of the Fire Victim Trust set up to compensate survivors of fires sparked by PG&E equipment. That's after a KQED investigation found the trust spent $51 million on overhead expenses in its first year, while most fire survivors haven't seen a dime. Then, at 9.30, as summer approaches, the danger is increasing of high-risk power lines starting more fires around the state. We'll discuss where the Bay Area's riskiest power lines are and where to go for help if the power line doesn't look right. That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Lily Jamali. The Fire Victim Trust is in charge of compensating survivors of some of the worst fires caused by PG&E equipment since 2015. A KQED investigation found in 2020, the trust spent $51 million on overhead fees and expenses, while $7 million went to victims that year. That's a fraction of the billion survivors were promised as part of a settlement with PG&E. In this segment, we're talking about the pace of compensation from the Fire Victim Trust, and just how much it's picked up this year. Joining us first is Sasha Poe, who lost her home in the 2018 Camp Fire. Sasha, welcome to Forum. Thanks, Lily. It's great to have you here. Talk us through what life is like for you right now, Sasha. You're living in Chico, right?
1: Yeah, we live at Chico. We have a rental. We've, um, for the last two and a half years, been trying to rebuild our home and it's a struggle. Um, it's a struggle at every step of the way. It's not like it's just part of your life that is affected. It, it's, it's all of it. And it's, it's all encompassing. We feel like we're refugees in modern California, mm. trying to get back to our homes. But because of, you know, whatever the conflict was, you know, in our case, PG&E fires, um, we can't. And, and, and it's a complete struggle.
3: I'm so struck by your description of how you live now, this idea that you and, and so many folks like yourself are, are consider yourselves refugees in your home state. Um, are you planning to move back to paradise? I know there's a lot of challenges involved in doing that. Um, how, how likely is that from where you from what you can tell right now? Um.
1: Paradise was really special for our family. We lived there for ten years, and you know we're Native Californians, and we that's where we chose to live. And this fire has um, met our lives and put us in the position of a lot of choices we didn't want. Um, we chose to live in Paradise. It was the beautiful, solid community there. It was pleasant and peaceful. Um, but it is a struggle to return it, it from from the day that FEMA dirt came and the truck started taking too much dirt. Mm. And now you have this hole of dirt that you have to buy. And then you have these surveyor fees. And then we've been paying water bills for two and a half years and the town plan fees and contractor fees and architect fees and price increase fees and fence fees and and there's just all these barriers along the way so when all these so when we meet each one of these steps you know no one is helping per se everybody's and then we understand that everybody needs to be paid for their time and service but nobody is is helping you know prices have only gone up exponentially in each trade um, so it, it's been top dollar for everybody that has come in to help and we are grateful and thankful that there is more, um, involvement in trying to rebuild Fair Paradise, but it, it, it's not at, you know, any kind of, and we're not asking for a discount just for prices not to go up.
3: Right. Um, and, and one of the things I want to talk about with you is this idea of, you know, getting, um, the distribution that you are owed. Uh, from this Fire Victim Trust. Um, I'm not sure if you were able to get money from your insurance. It sounds like you might have been underinsured, but certainly the money from that trust would help you move on. What's been your take on how the trust has handled its responsibility to survivors like you?
1: The trust has been very, very frustrating um, because put yourself in our shoes. I have a certain amount of money to build a house. Obviously prices have increased, right? So now we're being told that I may get 65% of a 30% payment sometime this year.
3: Mm-hmm. And just so that I can help uh, listeners who aren't familiar understand, let's say you were owed, uh, let's call it $100,000, which of course is, mm-hmm. is probably low. But of that 100000 right now, fire survivors, uh, because of the way this trust in part was structured, fire fire survivors are getting just 30% of that $100,000 right now to move on. And then you you're also referencing the cut that goes to your lawyer. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: So, so say, for example, you're owed 100000 and this 30%, you get 30000 and the lawyer gets their 34%, 35%. So that gives you maybe $50,000 to build a house. And sure, okay, um, that can get you somewhere. But you don't know when the next percentage is coming. You don't know what year it's coming. So all, all the information the trust has released to us is, very limited. And it's um, frustrating because we don't know how to plan. We, our family has already had to cancel plans with a contractor that we were set up. Mm. We've lost $20,000 for that contract because we had signed paperwork that we were going to be ready to build this house, but the trust wasn't ready for us. Um, So it's frustrating because you try to move forward, but you're still stuck.
3: Right. Right. I should note that we have tried several times to interview uh, trustee John Trotter, who runs the trust. Uh, We've sent multiple inquiries to the claims administrator over the last few days and weeks um, and have not uh, had any success there. We also invited Justice Trotter to join us on this program today. Um, I do want to also note that in 2021, the trust says that it has distributed $200 million as of this month month from the the tail end of last year into this year. So $200 million going out to fire victims, still just a fraction of what fire victims were promised. Sasha, um, I want to play a soundbite from a recording that Justice Trotter, who again runs this trust, shared last night. Uh, Let's go ahead and hear a soundbite there.
0: We don't in any way doubt what you've been through. We're working as hard as we can to get this done. But I wanted you to understand some of the issues that we face. The trust didn't have anything to do with the settlement. We didn't create the settlement. The trust had nothing to do with the amount of money or the bankruptcy. We're dealing the hand we were dealt and we're doing it the best we can. We're still walking uphill on this.
3: And Sasha, I just want to get your reflections on that. Does that comment give you any solace, this idea that it sounds like they're trying their best. That's the message they want to get out to fire survivors. How does that resonate with you?
1: You know, um, we are thankful that, you know, that there have been all these people that have come to Paradise um, and all the other fires to help. Um, But at the end of the day, there's a certain morality and ethics to how fire victims are being treated Um, Cities have been paid out, counties have been paid out, insurance companies have been paid out, trustees and all the administrators have been paid out, um, and we still don't have a home. Um, so So while I understand that it takes time, we face this real urgency every day and every week. And every month, you know, where where is my daughter going to go to high school next year? Um, where do we live? You know, where, what, you know, what does our, our life look like? You know, so, so and that's why I call us, you know, the modern day refugees of California, because we are just sort of flapping in the wind, kind of waiting for something to materialize. And it's been two and a half years
3: yeah. And Sasha, um, we're going to bring in another guest in a moment. And I'd love it if you could stick around for the half hour. Um, but what message do you have for Justice Trotter and the people running the trust? I, I imagine they may be listening to this show.
1: We, uh, you know, thank you for all that you've done. Um, but why, I, we we need you to understand that we have faced an uphill battle at every point, And um, uh, consideration and the morality of expenses and the expenses we face are not, you know, normal. They're anything but normal. We've asked the judge to lower attorney fees. We have asked the, the judge right now, in all these fees being created by um, the administration of the trust, to lower the fees because the fund is limited. And, you know, everybody always uses the word 13.5, the number, excuse me but the reality is it may be 10 so you know is the trust mm-hmm. going to spend 130 million dollars still if it the the number only ever totals 10 million yeah. once that Stock gets
3: sold. This is such an important point. So, for for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, these fire survivors, there's seventy thousand of them, uh, were were promised approximately thirteen point five billion dollars in a settlement uh, that was finalized last year. And that thirteen point five, because half of it is PG and E stock, which is a whole other issue, but. Because of that, the value of that 13.5 is now $11 billion based on the current trading of PG&E shares. So $11 billion plus an additional $700 million in cash is coming uh, after this fire season if PG&E still has the money. Uh, we're going to bring in our next guest. Sasha, please do stick around. It's so good to have you here. We are talking about a KQED investigation finding that the Fire Victim Trust spent $51 million on overhead fees and expenses in 2020, while $7 million went to victims that year. We are now joined also by Scott McNutt. He's a former member of the Board of Governors at the California State Bar. Scott, welcome to Forum.
4: Good morning, Lily. Thank you for having me.
3: It's great to have you here. You've been practicing bankruptcy law for decades here in the Bay Area, and I, I know you have a pretty solid grasp on what these things are supposed to cost, and I think it's a good opportunity to address some of those fees because they strike a lot of people as high. So you have $150,000 a month going to the trustee. The top claims administrator is charging $1,250 an hour. You have a host of Wall Street firms and lawyers getting um, plenty of millions from this trust. And we should note that all of that money is coming from funds for fire survivors. Scott, is this normal?
4: This is one of the most abnormal things I've seen in my practice. I'll, I'll be candid. I, I chaired the insolvency law committee of the state bar. I teach at UC Davis law school and I was counsel to the fee examiner in this case where I got to look at nearly $700 million in professional fees that were billed to PG&E, which are probably half the total fees in the case. Mm -hmm. And
3: and Scott, I'm going to actually have you pause for just a moment and pick up that thought in just a couple of minutes. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Lily Jamali. We're talking about the PGE Fire Victim Trust and calls for more oversight. Are you a wildfire survivor waiting for your settlement? Share your thoughts with us. and What are your questions about the trust? You can give us a call now at 1-866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We are at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at KQED.com org. Scott McNutt is a bankruptcy attorney here in the Bay Area. And when we left off with you, Scott, I am sorry I cut you off there. Uh, you were just describing, you know, your assessment of whether the fees that are being charged, some of which strike many people as quite high, whether those fees are normal. Go ahead and, and pick up your thought.
4: Well, it was it was wonderful to listen to, to Sasha Poe and you listen to her story and you realize that you multiply her story by 70 or 80,000 people. And it just, it, it breaks your heart. You played a brief clip from Judge Trotter who, there's a $13.5 billion trust that he is administering. It's distributed $200 million. Many of these victims have been out there unpaid for four years. And Judge Trotter makes it sound like he says he's dealt the cards, he's dealt, and he's working as best he can. He ignores the fact that hundreds of millions of dollars were spent analyzing these claims, were spent on lawyers, on expert witnesses. It's already been billed to the to the bankruptcy estate of PG and E, and paid ultimately by ratepayers. He's not starting from scratch here.
3: Yeah. And we should also note, Scott, that, um, you know, they issued what they called an annual report. That's where our investigation sort of stemmed from. Um, And they decided to start their annual report in the middle of the year, even though because, you know, many of us have been following the, the case. We're sitting in on all of the hearings last year. We knew that they actually started getting paid in April of last year. And actually, started getting paid fees retroactive to January of 2020. So, there was, from the perspective of some, plenty of runway to get this process started. Having said that, you know, there are 70,000 people involved in this case. It's complicated. Um, it, it must, there must be quite a bit of setup, time, and cost. And the judge addressed this in his video yesterday that there has to be um, a little bit of leeway for set up time and costs.
4: Well, of course, and that's the problem with anything where you have tens of thousands of claimants in a kind of complex financial situation, it can either be infinitely complicated or it can be pretty straightforward. And I think this is pretty straightforward. You you have a trust, there were heroic efforts by the tort creditors committee in this bankruptcy that that led to the creation of this thirteen and a half billion dollar trust, which is which is funded half in shares and half in cash, and the question is, to me, not what the fees are, but what's getting done and how fast.
3: Yeah, and what's your assessment? I mean, in, in a sentence, are you? Uh, it sounds like you are not particularly satisfied by the pace that you've seen so far.
4: Well, I would I would say there are two, two. Avenues that I would go down to, to have listeners understand this. One is the whole PG& E case was filed because of the claims of wildfire victims. The company could not sustain itself with these tens of thousands of claims being filed in dozens of courts. So they filed a bankruptcy. They brought everything in front of one judge and one forum, and they confirmed a plan that created a trust that was funded in order to, to pay these claims. Now, in the process of this, even though they should be, the wildfire victims should be at the front of the line, they keep getting moved to the back of the line because the first part of the case is deals with the interests of pg e and selling bonds and selling shares. And so those sort of Wall Street interests move to the front.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Then the case is administered Then there's this struggle over what the the magnitude of the claims, because you needed to figure out the magnitude of the claims in order to figure out how much had to be allocated for the tort creditors. And that that number, that $13.5 billion number, is a big number and it's probably a pretty good number. Then you come to plan confirmation. Well, then you had all these mass tort lawyers, or you can also call them class action lawyers that sort of shouldered their way in and said, we need to run a part of this process. And at the end of the day, they sort of displaced the creditors committee, which was the, I'm sorry, the tort creditors committee, which was intimately familiar with all the facts and had spent hundreds of millions of dollars getting on top of the facts. Sure. And, and they moved this to Judge Trotter mm. and Judge Trotter works for an organization called JAMS, which is made up largely of retired state and federal civil servants. And, and
3: let me let me just jump in because he did say in the video yesterday that he has since retired from JAMS, which is the largest arbitration firm in the, in the country. And you had also mentioned mass tort lawyers. We did invite uh, one of them, Gerald Singleton, to join us this morning. He ended up canceling on us at the last minute. But he is one of, I think it's about eight or nine, mostly mass tort lawyers. There's one consumer advocate on the Trust Oversight Committee, which from what we can tell is really one of... <laughs> perhaps the only organ that can um, do anything about the fees that we are seeing in this case. I do want to go to our first caller, so stick with me, Scott. Um, go ahead. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm i not sure exactly who it is, but go ahead and put them on. Go ahead, caller. Welcome to Forum.
5: Uh, hi, hi, Lily. It's name- Assemblyman James Gallagher here.
3: Hi, Assemblyman Gallagher. Um, For listeners, uh, Assemblyman Gallagher represents paradise. Thank you for joining us.
5: Pleasure to join you this morning.
3: What's been your take on these fees that we've seen uh, going out and the pace of compensation going to fire victims?
5: Well, first of all, I think it was a great work of investigative journalism on your part, Lily, to really draw this out and bring it to light um uh, it's very concerning um, that we're seeing these very high administrative costs, uh, what I think almost everyone sees as uh, pretty exorbitant administrative costs. And then more importantly, that, you know, victims, you know, my constituents in Paradise who were, you know, burned out of their homes, um, you know, lost everything, uh, not getting compensated timely. And, you know, I think I think the first you know, big question is, you know, when is that going to happen? You know, what's the timeline for these monies to be paid out, um, you know, to the people who are entitled to them?
3: And Assemblyman, as a state lawmaker, is there anything that you can be doing to help this process along, uh, whether that is getting money into hands more quickly or, um, you know, helping fire survivors have their voices heard when it comes to transparency. I mean, uh, and and thank you for for complimenting our work. That that simply was just that simple math. You know, they said uh, that there was going to be $5.4 billion in cash uh, funded in this trust, and we saw the number was lower, and we looked for answers and got those answers confirmed. But I do wonder what can be done.
5: Well, it always starts with asking questions, right? And sometimes people don't like the questions get asked, but ultimately that's what gets us to the truth of what's going on. Um, You know, on our end, like, you know, as you and I have talked about this, Lily, I think initially it's at the, this is in the federal bankruptcy court. I mean, that is who has the ultimate authority uh, to demand greater transparency accountings of the trustee um, status reports of what's going on with the trust fund. Um so, I think it really begins there at that federal bankruptcy court um to require this, and I think a lot of people are you know weighing in there 's been letters sent um you know i, I 'm part of a letter of colleagues that 's going to be sending this off to uh the trustee mm-hmm. and the bankruptcy court um asking for that transparency. That's news.
3: Um, I didn't know that.
5: (laughs) Yeah. You heard it here on Forum First. That is something that should be, that will be coming uh, forth. Okay. Um, But the, you know, I think on the other end is like, you know, obviously the state has kind of limited ability to directly influence that, but I think they can influence it. And I think probably the governor is probably the person best suited to. Really weigh in and, and say, you know, hey, what's going on here?" Yeah, and we did uh, and, and, and we to did. Really ask, get that transparency. And but, we did ask ahead. the
3: governor for a comment last week uh, when our story was coming out, um, and he declined to offer uh, a comment. Assemblyman James Gallagher, who represents Paradise, thank you so much for joining us. We'll stay in touch.
5: No problem, thank you.
3: Let's go to our next caller in Sonoma. Will Abrams, go ahead, Hi, Will
2: uh hi, thanks very much for holding this important forum and uh I just really have some comments and questions regarding um the trust and the oversight of the trust. you know part of what um victims like myself heard uh leading into the bankruptcy was the sale of the uh thirteen point five billion and only we can force p g e to pay $13.5 billion. And to vote yes uh, to to get those funds mm-hmm. so um, vote yes to vote yes last also, year
3: when when fire victims were asked to vote,
2: that's right. And and there were a lot, lots of tactics that were deployed by uh, the fire claimant professionals or the victims' attorneys um, at that time that just aren't don't seem to be leveraged now to advocate for victims. So these same attorneys are not uh, putting forward motions as was de- just described in Judge Montali's courtroom. To press for additional oversight um, and to press to have more transparency in the trust. They are not engaging in the Public Utilities Commission where they could to ensure that uh, security for victims and fully funding the trust is tied to, a- as an example, the $7.5 billion in securitization um, that was granted to PGE. They're not um, in Sacramento. Um, you know, part of what um, led to AB 1054 being passed was a big push uh, with dark money and and other tactics being deployed by these attorneys in Sacramento. And now um, we don't see any engagement on that front um, as was stated, um, looking to galvanize support for victims and make sure that they get compensated. So it's just this discrepancy between what was used before and and what was stated before in terms of the goals and now what's being delivered. And uh, we need to see a little more parity in terms of what was, Um, indicated to victims as the path forward and what uh, is happening now.
3: All right. Will Abrams, thank you for your call. Sasha, I want to give you the final word. Uh, What are your what are your final thoughts here?
1: Um, My biggest concern is not just us fire victims. It's the pattern that's being established, the transparency, the morality, the ethics of what is being done to people in California who face you know, certain um, inverse condemnation cases like this with PG&E, we have been pushed over to the side and labeled as whiny, incapable people. And it's devastating for this to happen to you. So um, going forward, it's troubling that this will establish a pattern of how people get treated, where corporations and profits come first, and counties and insurance companies and trustees and administrators and attorneys and taxes. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, I don't know where where, where does this put us going forward? Yeah, and I'm concerned.
3: Thank you so much for sticking around uh, for the f- for the full half hour. Um, I really do appreciate it. Sasha Poe, a campfire survivor in Chico. Scott McNutt, a former governor of the California State Bar. And I want to just end with a comment from Richard, who writes, No president, no heart surgeon, no scientist gets paid $150,000 a month. How can the trustee take $150,000 a month for herself? For himself out of the survivor's fund. Is that even legal? And Jennifer writes, the trust is a joke. It's salt on a trauma wound. Again, we did invite the trust to come and join us here on Forum. uh, And unfortunately, that did not work out. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll be right back on Forum from KQED.